We are so glad that you all have joined us this morning. I know that uh, with the virus going around, it may have scared a few off, and others may just be sick themselves, but we're glad that you have joined us this morning. Uh, Midweek this week, I kind of cracked a joke that uh, we would be checking purses and coats to make sure you didn't steal our paper goods as you left, but I will say that we buy in bulk, so if you actually are in need of something, because I know what it's like to have to go to three different stores to find a to try to find toilet paper that you actually need. Uh, if you need something to carry over, let us know, and if we have it, it's yours. Um, today, we continue our series on marriage. Uh, we're going to talk to a group that oftentimes during these series gets skipped over, and that's you if you're single or dating. Now, if you're married or you're engaged or you're in a committed relationship and you're saying, hey, I'm This doesn't really pertain to me. You're wrong, because if you have anybody in your life who is in the dating world or have children that will one day be dating, uh, this is equally important for you because we're going to talk about the biblical principles surrounding how to date, uh, the things that we need to look for about dating. Uh, But more importantly than anything, I've titled today Single and Fine because I want us as a church, as a big C and as Crosspoint to um, kind of remold the way we think about relationships. Now, as we focus on singles this week, we also focus on the most important thing, which is the Christian pursuit of God as our most important relationship. The funny thing is, is that once you reach a certain age, uh, being single is looked at as a major negative. It just is. I don't know why that's the case, but it's looked on uh, as if it's something that has to be cured. I I don't really get it. But students, and I see this teach middle school, teach high school, you start to see right around sixth grade, maybe even a little bit before, but once sixth grade hits, it really becomes a thing where both little boys and little girls are just completely infatuated with the opposite sex. Like they are 100% uh, zoned in on what the other's thinking and what they're, you know, how, how their actions are going to be uh, viewed in the eyes of the other. Girls have been raised on this steady diet of Disney and Nicholas Sparks, right? This, this idea that somewhere down the line their Prince Charming is going to come and save the day and they can't wait for their happily ever after. And boys, uh, well, we talked about this kind of the whole series. Us men, we're, we are much more simple. We see pretty and we want it, right? It's like pretty. I like, right? And for young boys, relationships have become much more of a status symbol as anything else. Now, we mature from that point once we start dating somebody and find, you know, the things that matter to to really be infatuated with. But it's for us starting out, it's real simple. You're pretty. I like you, right? And that doesn't change that well for us as we get older either. The thing about dating is this. We look at it two different ways. We look at it one way where it's, it's kind of flippant like that. I need my Prince Charming and, and they're going to make me happy and, and, and I just can't wait for that person or I have to have this to be fulfilled in life. And as a church, uh, the church, the big church, we haven't done any better. We haven't done any better with that whatsoever. We treat marriage as if it's a necessity and we constantly hound young people from teenage years on about their prospects, right? Where is your uh, you seen anybody? Are you dating anybody? Is there special gals or a special young man? And they're, no, there isn't. And we put this pressure on them to jump into relationships so they can finally answer that question with, yes, now shut up and leave me alone. Okay? But we make them feel like less than when that doesn't happen for them. 
We make them feel like less than when that doesn't happen for them. And so ultimately, we need to change our perspective as the church and how we view dating and how we look at it. Luckily, we find an answer in the chapter that we've already been. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You can follow along on the screen. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, we have a live event that you can follow along there. Or uh, you can open up the old-fashioned style and paper and ink. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 through 7, it says... I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So Paul's talking to the people right there, and he's, he, he makes it very blatantly clear. I wish that you were as I am. Well, how is Paul? Paul is single, and guess what? He's not just single. He is single, and he is fine. He is A-OK. He is 100% healthy. He's not missing anything. Everything's good. We have to, as church, we have to stop looking at marriage and dating relationships as the ultimate. When scripture makes it very clear that singleness is actually the preferred manner to li- way, the preferred way to live our lives. The preferred way to live our lives. And we're going to look at why that's the case. First, and if you're not married, you're single, you're thinking about dating, um, you're looking for somebody, talk to a married person because they'll tell you that, hey, marriage ain't easy. Marriage is not easy. In fact, it can be downright hard. Um, and there's pretty simple explanation for why that is. Um, if you're married to the right person, right, have a clear understanding of what you're getting into, you're dedicated to the covenant of marriage, it's a good thing. And Paul makes that clear, right? If you, if you have that relationship, stick with it, stay to it. But if you're single and you can stay that way, you should, because marriage is difficult. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 7.38 to say, so then he who marries the virgin does right. But he who does not marry her does better. 1 Corinthians 7.28 says, If you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. How funny is that? Think about that word from Paul right there. You who do get married will face many troubles, and I want to spare you this. Life is easier when you're single. Why? Because you don't have somebody else to depend on. Dr. Stephen Mintz explains, there's a tension between marriage's emphasis on commitment and modern society's stress on personal self-fulfillment. In the 19th century and much of the 20th, women were expected to sacrifice their individuality for the sake of marriage. Even today, there remains the expectation that that women have a responsibility to make marriage work whether through counseling or self-sacrifice. Nevertheless, in many cases, the tension becomes too much to bear and individuals ultimately decide to pursue their own happiness and fulfillment rather than subordinating their wishes and well-being to one to another person. Simply put, if you're single, that tension is not there. Being, marriage is difficult. Being married is difficult because you have to constantly balance your personality with their personality, your wishes with their wishes, your desires with their desires, your dreams with their dreams. Okay, And, and we've already talked about how the goal of marriage is to be unified as one, as a representation of Christ in the church. So if ultimately our goal is to have that relationship, then we have to get to a place where we are comfortable and fine all on our own so that when we come together, with individuals, we're strong enough to say, okay, I, I can do a part with these things that I selfishly want because us, for us, this is better. Okay, I hope that makes sense. But here's the most important reason why we need to celebrate singleness. Why, as a church, we need to celebrate singleness. Being single clears the way for our most important relationship. 
See, the relationship that you need to be focused on if you're single, and I realize I'm not talking to a lot of single folks. I got some young boys in the back who will be dating one day, but most of you have kids. Most of you have people that you uh, influence. We have a lot of teachers in here that deal with students all, uh, students all the time. When you're single, we need to focus on the relationship that we do have as Christians, and that relationship is the one that we have with Jesus. Think about the benefits. Quite frankly, I'm going to say this, and it sounds harsh. I don't mean it to sound harsh, but when you're single, there's no one to divert your attention away from God. There's not somebody else that you have to constantly think about and worry about and look to support because it's just you and God. And so in that time when people are single, we need to celebrate that because that's the time where they're building their foundation with Jesus. That's when all those connections are made. That's when the concrete is poured, so to speak, so that when they do come together with somebody, they have that firm foundation in the Lord. So we need to stop trying to rush people out of it and and looking to, to move people on from singleness and understand that they are in a season in their life that should be treasured and should be supported. And as a church, we should be doing everything we can to help them be building a stronger relationship with God. When you're single, you can devote yourself 100% to Jesus. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting that anyone here lock themselves in a room or uh, avoid the opposite sex, nor am I saying um, that you should never look to get married because Paul makes it perfectly clear that that is a perfectly acceptable way to live life. But I'm just saying, as you're single, when you're single, and you need to teach your kids this, that in that time in their life, okay, when they are not partnered with someone else here on earth, they need to understand that they are always partnered with Jesus. And so there's a relationship there that is of ultimate importance. The best thing that you can do for your future partner if you're a single person, the best thing that you can do for your partner if you're a married person, if you're an engaged person, is to make sure that your relationship with Jesus is right. Is to make sure that your relationship with Jesus is right. Singleness is a gift to cherish. Okay, it's a gift to cherish, not a plague to get rid of. And for too long, the church has acted like that. And it's chased some people that I know, that I love very dearly, away from the church, even I would say away from this church specifically, because the the question is constantly asked, what's your future like? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Oh, no, we'll we'll be praying for you. Why are you praying for them? You ever remember being single and having somebody tell you that? Some of us get together, get married at an early age, and we're like, no, I never really had to experience that, but... You're, oh, you're saying, I'll pray for you. Why do you need to pray for them? We don't need to pray for people, okay? We don't need to pray for single people uh, to find somebody to bring them fulfillment because ultimately that's what Jesus does. Married and currently partnered folks, okay? If you haven't listened to me all day because you think this doesn't apply to you, I need you to hear me now, okay? This is directly at you. I'm not saying you need to leave your current situation, right? This may be for more people that are online watching us, but let's say at home you're having struggles, right? You can't come back to the sermon and say, well, pastor said we'd be better separate, right? Or singleness is better, so this isn't really working out. Deuces. No, not at all. Paul makes it pretty clear that, hey, if you are in a current situation, you need to stay there. 1 Corinthians 7, 26, 28. Because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for a man to remain as he is. The cri- <laughs> He's calling marriage a crisis, Right? Because of how stressful it is, because of how uh, just nuts it can make you, uh, it would be better for you to stay single. Because of this present crisis, stay single. But are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. 
Are you free from such commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. If the virgin marries, she has not sinned. The charge to us is the same for those who are smartly single. Okay, I want to say it that way so we can start to wrap our heads around the idea that singleness is okay. The charge for us is the same as it is for those that are smartly single. Jesus is still the most important relationship that you can have in your life. Absolutely, unequivocally, there's no plainer way for me to say it. If you're having issues in your marriage and you're trying to fix those issues, but you are not right with Jesus, you are fighting uh, uh, an uphill battle. Okay? You're fighting a fight that, frankly, I would say that as a Christian, you cannot win. You have to be right with the Lord and able to be right with your spouse in order to experience the fulfillment of everything that that relationship is supposed to be, the gift that it is that we've talked about that it is throughout this entire series. In order for us to get to that place, we have to be right with Jesus. We have to be right with Jesus. So the charge for us is the same. We also need to realize as a church that there are some out there that will never marry. There are some out there that will never marry. Let's read in Matthew 19, verse 12. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this, accept this should accept it. Now, ladies, I want to be very clear. If you're dating a boy and they bring up this verse to you because or some... Or, how do I say this? You wouldn't be dating them because they're trying to remain single for the Lord, right? But you shouldn't be messing around with the boy who says, I'm trying to remain single for the Lord, okay? Because if he was really trying to do that, he wouldn't be messing around with you. If he's not willing to commit to you, that's all it is. He doesn't want to commit to you. So just understand that that's the truth. But here's what we have to understand about people, okay? Here's what we have to understand people that some will never marry. They've been set aside that way by the Lord, okay? They, they for the kingdom of heaven, they have, if they can accept it, they should choose to accept it. They're okay with it, or at least they've gotten to the point in life where they are okay with it. And we need to support these people. As a church, as a, we have to do a better job. You know, there's a group of, of people on my heart as Crosspoint that I wish we could better serve, and that's the single community. And the fact of the matter is, we don't have a lot of single people in our church, so it's hard for us to do that. But we need to pray about and find a way to better support those people, because we do have a few. We do have a few. And as I said, so long, singleness has kind of been put on the back burner in church because the ideal that we preach is that you need to find somebody to settle down with and live happily ever after and have kids. And some people just aren't in that experience in their life. They'll either never have that or they did have that and their marriage dissolved and now they are still single. And we need to be able to love and support those people where they're at, not trying to constantly push them to some place that they're not going to get to. If you know someone that's searching, okay, help them out. But don't just assume that they need a partner to be fulfilled. A lot of times we project ourselves on single people that we know. I really want to set them up with so-and-so, or I'm going to pray for them to find somebody. They may not want you to pray for them to find somebody. They may be perfectly fine. They may be 100% okay and happy. So why can't we love and support them where they're at? The answer is that we can it's just we project ourselves on them. And in our minds, we say, well, I'm happier because I'm married. I wanted this, and so we think that everyone should want this, and that's just not the case. Here's the thing. If we are receiving fulfillment, this is for anybody, single, married, widowed, divorced, doesn't matter. If we're receiving fulfillment from anybody other than Jesus, if we're looking to a partner or a spouse or a relationship to fulfill us, then we're not doing it right. What is Jesus here for if it's not to bring about our fulfillment? 
What is Jesus here for if it's not to bring about our fulfillment? Why did he die on the cross? What was that sacrifice even for? Here's the thing we have to understand. Our marriage, our marriages that we have here on earth end once we leave earth. Now, there are some religions that will fight against that, some sects of even Christianity that will tell you, oh, marriage is for eternity, but that's not biblical. Once we die, our marriage ends. Our earthly marriage is over. There will be no marriage in heaven except for one, one marriage that we have that's eternal, that lasts forever, and that's the marriage that we have with Jesus. That relationship is everlasting, and so it has to be at the forefront of everything that we do in order for your earthly marriage to be as good as it can, I know I've already said this, but in order, in order for your earthly marriage to be as fulfilling and as strong and as purposeful as it possibly can be, your eternal marriage with Jesus has to be right. Because in the end, everything else will pass away except for that. Except for that. Now, what if you want to get married? You're out there and, and you're saying, hey, I'm, I haven't listened to you all day. I think this is boring. I don't see the value in it. I want to get married. I don't want to be single. What about me? I'm going to talk to you. Uh, listen, on the interwebs and here in the room and people who know people who one day will want to get married, this is some facts for you. The average age of marriage today for a man is 31. The average age for marriage for a woman is 29. We talked about this in an earlier series, but 80% of people, 80% of people have sex for the first time at age 20. So if you're having sex for the first time at age 20, you're not getting married until 29 and 31. What are you doing in the meantime? Fornicating. I know that's a big churchy word. It sounds dirty. But fornicating. That's what you're doing. You're living in sin. You're living in sin. And so how do we as a church support those who want to get married and are going to enter dating relationships? Well, we need to first teach them that their desire to have said relationships is perfectly normal. Okay, it's perfectly normal. But we also need to teach them that they need to deny that desire while it's there. If, this is what I'll say. If you're dating your engagement, if you have no sexual charge with the person, if you have no sexual charge with your future partner, like you're not attracted to them in that way, you're not wanting that, that's when red flags should probably go up. You might have a little bit of an issue. Okay? If you have no desire to be with the person that you say you love and the person you want to marry in a sexual manner, Alarm bells should be going off, and you probably need to rethink those things, okay? Just saying. Just saying. But in the long run, we have to deny that charge. This is what we need to understand and preach. Wanting sex is not a reason to get married. Single people hear me all over the world. Teach your kids this when they get older, okay? Wanting to have sex is not a reason to get married. You cannot have a successful marriage on the foundation of, I have hormones, you have hormones, let's share them, Okay? That, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. But also, having sex is not a reason to break up. Okay, it's not a reason to break up. Now, Old Testament times, if you were caught having a premarital wedding, uh, wed relationship, a marriage relationship, before you were actually married, they just went ahead and married you together. Okay? So when I say this, the church has done something opposite. We've said, oh, you've entered the sexual relationship. You guys have to break up and be separate and, and flee from one another and all that stuff. No. If anything, having sex before you're married is a better reason to get married, not a reason to get divorced. But I will say this. If you're not married, if you're not engaged, if you're not moving in that direction, you need to repent and stop it now. 
You need to repent and stop it now. And you need to teach your kids why this is so important. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 explains to us that the sexually immoral, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay, long story short, that's what it gets at. The sexually immoral will not enter in or inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so we need to make sure that we are supporting singles in this relationship, teaching them how to date, how to set boundaries, how to make sure that they're not crossing the line. Because ultimately all that is going to do is help you deteriorate your relationship. If you want to get married, then you should seek that out. But you have to hold yourself to a high standard. This is for single folks, guys and girls. Girls will do this. Guys will be like, it's dumb. I don't want to do it. Okay? If you think, I want to get married one day, what you need to do is make a list of everything you're looking for in that partner. And I'm saying you can be as specific as you want. You need to be 6'4". I would prefer them to be in the normal to just obese category. Not morbidly obese. I'm kidding slightly. Right? I don't want them to smoke. I want them to have a good job. I want them to be, have a strong family. I want them to blah, 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 blah. Like you need to make your list. This is what I'm looking for in a partner. And then you need to pray over that list. And if you're engaged, you're dating, you're anything out there, we need to make sure that we're teaching people to ask simple questions. We need to make sure we're teaching people to ask simple questions. Okay? What, how's this bank account look? How's his bank account look? I'm not asking about the amount of money he has. He doesn't have to be rich. Like to be married, you need two things, love and heir. That's pretty much it, right? And a legal document. That's it. But what's he spending his money on? What's important to him? Fellas, have you seen her on her worst day? I'm talking like no makeup, chocolate stained sweats, uh, tears, and anger, and ferocity, and whatever else. Have you seen her on her worst day? Do you know what it's going to be like before you marry that young lady? Because once you're married, guess what? You don't just get to get out of it. So if she terrifies you before you're married, maybe that's something to balk at before you go through the commitment. Have you seen each other when you're sick? Women, do you know how big of a baby your future spouse is going to be? Us guys, we're pathetic. We get sick, our world stops. I know it. I'm, I'm not going to hide from it. I get a little bit of a fever and I'm, uh, take care of me, right? We turn into little kids again, right? We need to have a real picture of what our future spouses are going to be like, but we don't have to play the marriage game to do that. We don't have to play the marriage game to do that. We need to teach our young people that they shouldn't be living with their spouses before they're married. And you know what? Statistics, not Christian statistics, just statistics in general back that up. If you do a study, it'll show you that people who live together before they're married actually have a worse success rate in their marriages than people who wait until they're married to live with one another. It's true. Long story short, ladies, if he likes it, make him put a ring on it. Okay, Beyonce said it best. Not even kidding. If he likes it, if he wants to take things to that next level, make him put a ring on it, okay? Know your worth. And if he's not willing to show you your worth, then know how to get rid of him. Tell him to go away. Because covenant should always happen before coitus or cohabitation. I wanted to use alliteration there. Okay? Covenant should always happen before coitus or cohabitation. Women, make sure he has the two J's, Jesus and a job. Your little girl comes home, mommy, daddy, what should I look for in a man? Does he have a job? 
does he have Jesus? There's other questions, but let's start with those two things. Let's start with those two things. Is he a good leader? Is he a person who will lead you in your walk with Christ? Will he lead you in sacrificing himself for your family? Men, is she respectful? Is she combative? Is she a Proverbs 31 type woman? Does she check all those boxes that Scripture should say that she checks? In the end, that's the question that we both have to ask. Do they meet all of these standards? Because we are too flippant inside the church and outside the church with dating relationships. We've got app after app on our phones where we can swipe whichever way you have to swipe to meet somebody, and most of the time it's not for a long-lasting, loving, godly relationship. And we've taught the world that it's okay. Study of 1,700 single folks in a church in Canada, and they were asking, do you think that it's okay to have sex before you're married? And over 25% of their single people said yes. And then they said, well, what about specifically oral sex? And the number went up to like 56%. For some reason, that's okay. Singleness isn't a detriment. It's a treasure. It's a gift that God has given us. It's a time where we get to build that relationship with Christ and focus solely on him. And a lot of times for us, we don't reach spiritual maturity when we're super young. And so that foundation isn't there by the time we think that we're ready to get married to somebody. And so we enter relationships as immature Christians and we are just setting ourselves up for failure. As church, as people, as individuals, you need to celebrate the people in your life that are single, support them in their endeavors, and help them build their relationship with Christ so that, hey, if somewhere down the road, Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright comes along, they're ready for that. They're ready for that. In the long run, we need to stop acting like we can just date whoever we want, whenever we want, and do it, whatever we want, and it'll be fine. As long as in the end, we make that commitment. We're talking about the hearts of our little ones. I have a seven-year-old and a two-year-old little girl, and I'm terrified for what their future holds. Because I know what boys are like. And I know what boys are being taught. And if they're not being taught the right things at home, then they're being taught the wrong things by the world. And they'll get their information from somewhere. So if you have young men, you have a responsibility to raise them up as good, Christian, chivalrous young men who have a heart for Jesus before they have a heart for anything else. And if you raise young ladies, you have a responsibility to raise Proverbs 31 women who are humble and strong and godly and fierce in their loyalty, but even more so in their convictions. Because at the end of the day, this singleness and this dating, it's the time that our kids are developing the future of the church. Because ultimately, if the goal is, if the goal is for them as individuals, right, to get married, I'm not saying our goal for them, I'm saying their goal for themselves is to get married and to eventually have children. They are giving way to the future of the church. 
And so that responsibility on them is huge. And so that responsibility on your shoulders becomes huge as well. I'll be real honest. I didn't feel very good about what I did here today. (laughs) It's been a long time since I've been single and I wasn't very good at it when I was. I found Mrs. Wright early on and we've been married for a long time, 21. Right? I'm 29 now, eight years. I can do math. But this is what I do know. I know that every season in our life is as important as any other. And that when we try to rush through the seasons that we find ourselves in, we miss the blessing that God has for us. So stop trying to rush people through times in their lives because we think they'll be happier on the other side of it. Find them where they're at and support them in those times so that we can love those people where they're at. Because they don't need a man or a woman to be fulfilled. What they need in the long run is Jesus. That's of ultimate importance. And that's what our job is as parents, as friends, and as any other relationship that we might have. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now, and I just want to lift each and every one of us up to you today. Lord, we all have somebody in our life that's important to us who is either looking for a dating relationship or currently single or in the process of getting married. And God, these are all important times that we are supposed to uh, go through and lean on you through. And Lord, I pray that as individuals and as a church, you help us support people in our lives that are going through seasons that we specifically maybe wouldn't enjoy or don't necessarily understand why they enjoy. Let's not rush them through the end of that season to try to get them someplace else. God, give us the heart to support those people where they're at. God, let us see that this applies to all situations, not just singleness, not just dating. Lord, I also just want to lift our world up to you right now as we are dealing with the virus that is spreading globally. Help us to remember that you're in control, but also, God, convict us to be intelligent and to love our neighbors by doing the things that we can do to help make sure it doesn't spread. Ultimately, God, there's a sickness that is far greater than this virus could ever give, and that sickness is sin. And we know the great physician. And we look around our world today and we see people who are being selfish and focusing only on themselves and collecting and storing away goods that others need because they're worried about number one. But God, we do that same thing when we don't share your love with the world around us. We have the supplies that the world needs to fight off the greatest sickness, the greatest illness that they'll ever face. And yet we keep it to ourselves, God, because... We're more comfortable that way. It's so easy to look at people doing this with goods and say, how foolish, but can we look in the mirror and see, God, that we are equally as foolish for not sharing your love with the world around us? Help us to be facilitators of peace. Bless those that aren't here today. 
Bless those who are ill or not feeling well. Help us to serve our community in this time and to be ready to be the hands and feet of Christ and serve when those opportunities arise in the upcoming weeks. Lord, in the end, the most important relationship we can have is with you. Help us to realize that and to make sure that we not only cherish it, but cultivate goodness through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.